Awesome. Let's jump on our feet and clap our hands for our band today, right? This great music today. That's, that's really good. Now, I'm going to ask you to do this. Let's clap our hands for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Do you love him today? Is your heart filled with gratitude for all he has done for you? Bless your name, Jesus. Come on, saints. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Come on, church. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The almost shall hear thereof and be glad. Come on. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Hallelujah. Now lift those hands. Father, we thank you that there is a powerful anointing in this sanctuary today. And that anointing is here to break the yoke and set the oppressed free. Hallelujah. That anointing is here to break every generational curse. Hallelujah. That anointing is here to release generational blessings. And Father, we just praise you for all you've done. You have been good to us. You have preserved us in a year of turbulence, in a year of trouble, in a year of trial. You have pres preserved us, and we are very grateful for it. But now, God, we're going to give you that kind of praise that says we're thankful for what you're about to do. We're going to praise you for what we see coming in the future. I want you one more time to give him praise for what is about to unfold that you've not yet seen. There are great things in our future. The Bible says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. God is good, isn't he? Look at someone next to you and tell them it's on in the building right now. Amen. We're doing things a little bit different, and I like different. I like change, don't you? Yeah, growth is optional. Change is mandatory, right? Luke chapter 21, verse 28. I'm going to read one passage of scripture as you remain standing. We're in the middle of our redemption series. This is part three. I pray that you enjoyed Wednesday night and last Sunday. And we're going to keep traversing our way through this thought on redemption. And today I'm just going to extract just that one verse that we've been concentrating on in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, in verse 28, and I'm going to read it from the King James Version, and then I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. I like that Message Bible, don't you? Just before I read, let me remind all of our viewers, and even those of you in, in the building here, please press that share button and share this, because somebody's going to need this encouraging word today. I have an agenda. And my agenda is to fill your heart full of hope and to let you know everything is going to be all right. God is still in control. Luke chapter 21 and verse 28. And when, we, when these things begin to come to pass, Jesus says, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. The Message Bible renders that like this. When all this starts to happen, up on your feet, stand tall with your heads high. Help is on the way. 
I want you to shout that with me. Help is on the way. All right, look at three people around you and say those words right now. Help is on the way. How many of you know we could lose, use a little hope and help right now, right? Father, thank you for the reading of your word. And for the next few moments of time, we ask you to enlighten the eyes of our understanding because you said what we understand cannot be taken from us. So I thank you, God, that there's illumination and revelation in this house today. Help us to hear things the preacher does not say and help the preacher to preach things he didn't study to say. In other words, Holy Spirit, take over. We want to be on your agenda. Have your way in Jesus' name. I know you've been doing it all morning, but this is a participatory church. Amen? So one more time before you sit down, can you lift up the name of Jesus real high? Can you give Jesus praise? God is good. Amen. Just elbow your neighbor and tell him it's on now. Let's go. Then you can, you can be seated. Theology is a wonderful thing. Theology is the study of God. Many times I think in our infancy of being born again, we have been indoctrinated with perceptions of God that have come down through time, that have been passed on from generation to generation, that are not necessarily scriptural. I think many times we mistake tradition for doctrine. And when you read Luke chapter 21, Jesus is giving this discourse on things happening. And he says, when nations rise against nations, races against races, he says, be careful that you are not deceived. These are signs. He says, many will be offended. It literally means many will be trapped. Trapped by their opinion. Creating scandals and confusion. He said, all these are signs that something is about to change. He said, when this stuff starts happening, he says, look up. David said, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. My, my help comes from the Lord. He says, look up. Then he says, lift up your heads. Not because of what you're seeing, but because of what you're about to enjoy. These are just signs that change is on the horizon. So he said, don't be discouraged when everything looks ridiculous. Talk to me in the building. Don't be depressed or don't be distracted because something wonderful is about to transpire. Your redemption draweth nigh. Somebody shall thank God for redemption. So I start thinking about redemption. Man, I, I'm already on next Sunday's message. And I'm going to come to you next Sunday on Ruth and Boaz, and I think you're going to be shocked. But today I wanted to go to that all really too familiar story that we've kind of taken for granted. Yeah, you know, it's that book that was written before Genesis was written. 
It's that book that we call Job. Not many preachers like preaching from Job. Because you're talking about a guy that lost everything. And many theologians believe that Job lived during the same time as Abraham. Interesting to think about. But when you look at Job chapter 19, verse 21, let's just go there. I'll read it from the New Living Translation. And something is going to supercharge your spirit today as the word is preached. Somebody shout it again. I know everything is all right. Now watch what Job says. Have mercy on me, my friends. Have mercy. For the hand of God has struck me. Must you also persecute me like God does? Haven't you chewed me out? I mean, chewed me up enough? <laughs> I'm going to do it. Oh, that my words could be recorded. Underline that sentence. Oh, that my words could be recorded. Oh, that they could be inscribed on a monument, carved with an iron chisel and filled with lead, engraved forever in the rock. Sounds like he's about to say something, doesn't it? And here's what he has to say. But as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And he will stand upon the earth. He will stand on the earth when? At last. Somebody just say that. At last. Yeah. Say it like this. Come on. At last. Yeah. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body, I will see God. I will see him for myself. Yes, I will see him with my own eyes. I am overwhelmed at that thought. Redemption. Job. If you were going to use the word redemption as a verb, you would have to say it means to pull up and to pull out of an undesirable condition or situation. Have you ever been in an undesirable? I'm not setting you up, folks. This is a real question. Have you ever been in a place that you didn't want to be in? It was undesirable to you. You wanted out. Do you kind of feel like Job maybe is feeling that way? Right. Redemption means to reclaim. Don't miss this here. It means to recover. If you recovered it, it means you lost it. Or to rescue, oftentimes with a ransom. Hmm. To pay for it. C.S. Lewis said it like this. No creature that deserved redemption would need to be redeemed. Think of it. No creature that deserved redemption would need to be redeemed. Someone else said the strangest truth of the gospel is that redemption comes often through suffering. 
Interesting theology, right? The strangest truth of the gospel is that redemption comes often through suffering. Those are quotes from other people. Here's mine. It is impossible to recognize your need for redemption when you do not have the revelation of who you are without redemption. Shall I read it again? I think I shall. It is impossible to recognize your need for redemption when you do not have the revelation of who you are without redemption. Have you ever had the kind of friends that made you feel like you weren't redeemed? When you know you've been redeemed? Job kind of had those kind of buddies. That's why he says in verse 21 to his friends, guys, can you have a little mercy on me? Have mercy on me. The hand of God has struck me. Are y'all going to persecute me like God is doing? You know, it kind of feels that way right now in the nation, doesn't it? It's like we're just beating one another down. You can get on Facebook and say hello, and somebody's going to get on there and say, what do you mean hello? How are you doing? What do you mean? What does that mean? How are you doing? When your friends, I wrote this in response to that, when your friends are not able to endure the mysteries of your suffering seasons, they will always assume conclusions about its source. When your friends are not able to endure the mysteries of your suffering seasons, they will always assume conclusions about its source. In other words, they would say, you are going through what you are going through because of something you have done. Right? And that's the way his friends were with him. There must be some sin in your life for you to be going through all this trouble. Don't act like you've never used that kind of prejudice with people. You've seen them and said, surely. They've done something totally jacked up to be going through what they're going through. Or you probably followed that up with, and they deserve it. Because all of us have opinions about other people's conditions. We all have opinions about other people's situations and circumstances. <laughs> it's bad when your friends do you like that. It's another level when your wife gets on it. And all the brothers see it. Oh, she's in there. She's in Job chapter 2. She looks at Job and she says, man, you have lost all our stuff, dude. I don't know what you're doing, but the cattle are gone. Get it right, Job. 
And some of you wives are saying, yes, please, get it right. <laughs> and she says this, go ahead and deny God. Job, lose your integrity. If you're doing right, do something wrong. Lose your integrity, but don't lose any more of our stuff. Because we receive identity from all of our stuff. So if you got to mess up, mess up, but don't lose the stuff. Hmm. And Job looks back at this wonderful companion called Wifey and says, now, should we just receive good from the hand of God and not evil? Oh, your theology, theology just got jolted, I think, right there. I think your theology just went like that. Let me, let me say it again. Job said to his wife, should we just receive good from the hand of God and not evil? Hold on, Pastor Rick. Are you saying that God would permit evil to visit us? Maybe St. Augustine knew something when he wrote what he called Felix Culpa, that God chose it better to bring good out of evil than not to allow evil to exist. Hmm. So maybe God allows trouble for you to appreciate triumph. Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How would Joseph get to the palace if he don't go through the pit. And the pit wasn't bad enough. We got to get him in prison. Because he's got to have a story to tell. Because his story is going to be someone else's deliverance. So maybe could it be that God trusts you enough. That you will not deny him. And he's going to use you as that example to prove to everybody else that, yes, I can lose everything and still keep my service to the Lord. And still, can I pray? You know, I felt a little southern Louisiana come on me this morning when I was getting ready. And I thought about it and I thought, man, I might just rear back and preach. But we don't have a Hammond B3 on the stage, so I'll just talk to you. Kevin, I just think Job had some kind of some kind of secret relationship with God that maybe was deeper than other people. Maybe this expression in Job 14 will help you understand. All the days, this is Job, all the days, he's done lost everything. All the days, he's lost his wife now. Everything's gone, and he says, all the days of my appointed time, I will wait till my change come. 
In other words, Job said, it doesn't matter because I can see that something at some time, <coughs> somewhere, <coughs> excuse me, is going to change. Say it with me all the days of my appointed time. I will wait till my change comes. In verse 25 of our text, he says these words to his friends. I know my Redeemer lives. Somebody shall praise the Lord. That's what he knows. But when I read something like that, I need to know what is the foundation for that statement. I know my Redeemer lives. So the question is, what do you not know? Hmm. What does that mean? Here's what he don't know. He don't know what happened in heaven. He didn't know that there was a discussion. God did not come down and say, hey, Job, I need to tell you, me and Satan got together. You were the subject of the discussion. You need to be warned, my brother, that the devil is coming to take all your stuff. See, if he would have done that, Job could have been prepared. Talk back to me. But in verse 7 of chapter 1, the Lord said to Satan, where are you coming from? And Satan said, from going to and fro in the earth, from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said to Satan, listen to this, have you considered my servant? Everett, have you considered my servant Richard? Have you considered my servant Ed? Throw your name in there. All of you are retracting right now. You're backing up like, no, I don't want that job. <laughs> the Lord said, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him. In the earth. He's a perfect man. He's an upright man. Here's the point, y'all. God trusted. You can pick it right up here, brother. Just give it a lift. There is a lift. We're going to leave it right there, too. Bless your name. God trusted Job with this trial. There are things we just do not know as Christians. Sorry. No, you do not know everything, and you are not a know-it-all. You do not know what's happening everywhere all the time. You're not omniscient. You're not omnipresent. You're not all-knowing. You're not everywhere at one time. You're not God. And there are just certain things we do not know, and that's hard for Christians to admit. But I pray and I study. Yeah, and guess what? You still don't know everything. As a matter of fact, you don't even know how to pray sometimes. Hold on, Pastor Rick. I know how to pray, not according to the Bible. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, we do not know how to pray as we ought. You can act like you know how to pray, but you really don't know how to pray about everything. That's why you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Because the next part of the verse says, but the Spirit makes intercession for us according to the will of God. Thank you for the water, brother. Feel my help coming now. So many times we don't even know how to pray. So if you don't know how to pray all the time, you certainly don't know everything. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see through a glass darkly. But then we will see face to face. We know in part. If we know anything, we only know a little bit. But then shall I know even as I am also known. Corey Ten Boom said these words, a religion that is small enough for our understanding would not be big enough for our needs. A religion that is small, of a, small enough for our understanding would not be big enough for our needs. Corey Ten Boom, that's a strong quote. Job said it like this. Job replied to the Lord in Job 42, verse number 2. I know that you can do anything. And no one can stop you. You ask, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking, listen to Job. It was me. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about. Things far too wonderful for me. I'm the one that was talking like I knew everything and I didn't know a thing. I was trying to explain why this stuff was going on in my life and the more I tried to explain it, the more confused it got. And I didn't really know till after it was over why it showed up in the first place. Can I help you? You don't know right now. And really we don't understand right now why God is permitting and allowing the things that are going on in the earth that we're seeing. But I came by to tell you this season is not going to last always. This will come to an end. And when we get to the other side, we'll be able to say, now I understand things about me and I understand, understand things about life, and I understand things about God, I would have never known if I would not have gone through 2020. So somebody throw your hands up and say, thank God for 2020. Why? Because we are learning things we would have never known about God, about ourselves, and about life if we would not have gone through this season. So there are certain things that Job was willing to say, I don't know. The most powerful answer many times to any question is three words, I don't know. Jehoshaphat prayed that way. He said, I'm being attacked from three different armies and I don't know what to do. Have you ever prayed like that? No, most of you pray in the King James Version though. O thou, O Lord, that resteth upon thy throne, look at thy servant. And you think God is impressed with your dialogue. I have been on my knees with both hands in the air and tears streaming down my face saying, God, I don't know. I have looked at people in counseling 
that ask me questions, and they're looking at me like, surely I have the answer. And then I look back at them and say, well, I don't know. And people don't like that because pastor's supposed to know everything. And the fact is, no one knows everything. Let's practice it. Are you ready? Say it. I don't know. That kind of felt good, didn't it? Take a deep breath. I know it's hard on you because you haven't said that in 30 years. But let's try it again. Take a deep breath and just exhale the three words. Are you ready? Let's practice together. I don't know. It's hard to say, especially in a generation with preachers that know. They know when Jesus is coming back. They know the date, the hour, and the time. I'll leave it there. I feel my soapbox trying to scoot under my feet, and I'm resisting it. So he said, I don't know. But then he turned around and said, I know. Is that what he said? Verse 25, two words, say it. I know. What did he say? I know you live and you will stand. But I like verse 23 and 24. He tells his friends, you can write this down. You can etch this in the concrete, brother. There are some things I don't know. I don't know why the pandemic showed up in 2020. I don't know why a virus was released in 2020. I don't know why suddenly we have race wars like never before in 2020. I don't know why the political upheaval is crazy in this nation like it is. I don't know why football season might not happen. And that makes me mad. But Write this down, brothers. I know that he lives. I don't know why my kids is acting crazy, but I know he lives. Romans 8.26 says this. We do not know how to pray. I read it to you a while ago. As we are, but the Spirit makes sinner intercession for us. According to the will of God. Blessing. We shouldn't have left that up there, Christian. Look up. We don't know how to pray. But verse 28 says, and we know. Verse 26 says, we don't know. Verse 28 says, and we know. Job says, I don't know why all this is happening, but I know. Now let's practice that. Come on, say it. I don't know, but I know. And watch what, is, what the Bible says. And we know that all things work together for the good of those. Come on in the building. That love God and are the called according to his purpose. I don't know everything, but I know something. That everything's going to be all right. If you believe that, jump on your feet and shout. I know everything is going to be all right. I know everything is working together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Tell your neighbor, this is what I know. See, 
Yeah, 2 Timothy 1.11, you can sit down. Paul writes his son and says, I'm appointed a preacher. I'm appointed as an apostle. I'm appointed a teacher for the which cause I suffer. You didn't hear that. I'm anointed, but I'm suffering. I'm an apostle. I'm a teacher. I'm a preacher, but I go through stuff. Just because you are anointed, don't exempt you from trouble. And sometimes there's trouble that you will not understand. He said, for the witch cause I suffer. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. I might be suffering, but I'm not ashamed. I might be going through trouble, but I'm not ashamed. Yes, I'm a Christian, and I expect God to work it out, but stuff is crazy right now. But I am not ashamed of the God that I serve. For I know, for I know, for I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Yes, I'm suffering. And I don't know why, but I do know this. He is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. Now, you don't know everything, but there are some things you better know that God can and keep it first John 3 2 beloved now are we the sons of God and it does not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him Psalm 135 verse 5 for I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods I dare you to throw your head back and shout I know some things yeah, I know some things. Woo. Paul said it like this. I know some stuff, but I'm confident of one thing, that he who began a good work in you shall also complete it if there's any sanctified believers with faith about stuff you know. I double-dog dare you to give God praise about the things you are sure of. Come on, shout it. I know God. And here's what happens to those that know, that know that God has everything under control. Daniel 11:32, and such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by their own flatteries. But the people that do know their God, the people that know God shall be strong. And the people that know God shall do exploits. You can argue my conversion, but you cannot convince me about my experience. You can say he's saved or not saved, but you wasn't there when I was 15 years old and walked down an altar and gave my heart to Jesus Christ. There are some things you've got to be convinced about. Stop guessing that God's got you. Stop guessing that everything you've given him, he's going to keep. Stop guessing that he's alive. you got to know in your heart that God is God. He has everything under his control. He has you in his hand. I need some sanctified people that are gift. If I had a B3 on the platform, we'd be having church right now. Shout it with me. There are things that I don't know. But brother, don't be mistaken. There are things I'm absolutely sure about. I know the God I serve. I talked to him this morning. He woke me up this morning. 
He started me on my way. He blessed me on my journey. He keeps me day by day. Yes, I know Jesus for myself. I don't know him through you. I know him by myself. You can't tell me I don't have a relationship. Somebody shout, I know God. And if you know God, then you've got to know everything's going to be all right. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me, Jesus said. If you know he's going to be all right, I dare you to praise him like he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Say this with me. There are some things I don't know. Say it. Come on. There are some things I don't know. But brother or sister, there are some things I do know. And the things I know, I'm out absolutely sure about. Now watch this. Say this with me. Just kind of whisper to your neighbor. There are things you're about to find out. In other words, whoo, you about to be, you about to know more than you ever knew. Let me show you. You can stay standing. I ain't got but about four fired field minutes. And then we're out. Whoo. Watch this. He said, I love it, Christian, the way he said, boys. Have you ever done that with your buddies? You can write this down. And can't nobody say that like a cowboy. <laughs> Buddy, I'm going to tell you something right now. You can write this right here in the concrete, hoss. <laughs> and I like it when they throw a little by God in there. By God. Yeah, yeah. By God, buddy, you can bet on this one. You can write it down. I'm not sure Job was a cowboy, but I kind of feel like he was a cowboy. I think like he had some cows behind him and some sheep over here and some hogs, pigs, and his buddies are standing right there. And he says, boys, I'm going to tell you all one day gone thing right now. You write this in your book, buddy. It's right here, buddy. What I'm about to tell you, buddy, you write it in your book. I was raised in, around cowboys. I know their language. But I like it, too. You know, you, you don't have to be all fancy. Just cock your leg out there and say, boy, write it down, son. <laughs> write it down in your book. I'm telling you, house. And Job says, boys, you can write this down. I know. Come on in here, Anita. My Redeemer. Hold on now. Woo. See, I left that out for you on purpose a while ago because I want to say the best for last. He didn't say, I know my God lives. Nope. nope. He gave him a position. See, talk to me in the building. He gave him a title. And if you give him a position and a title, then you've given him a function. 
Some of y'all need to call him what you need him to be. Some of you are without and you need to call him Jehovah Jireh. My God shall provide. Some of you need some peace in your life and you need to call him. I know that Jehovah Shalom lives. You need to call him by what you need. And what Job needed, he didn't just need a God. He didn't need Jehovah Jireh. He didn't need Jehovah Nissi. He needed a redeemer. And he said, I know that my, say it, come on. I know that my, say it again. I know my, what lives. And redeemer is Goel in the Hebrew, which means my avenger. Come up here, Christian. Come up here, Isaiah. Summer, let me see your notebook. Thank you. Hold that notebook. Give him, give him your pen. You're the devil. Now this redeemer, y'all with me still? This redeemer that Job is talking about. See, redeem means a lot of stuff. It means to recover your stuff. But it also means Watch. Go steal his stuff. Give it up, Job. Okay. Take it. You, you want to go ahead and take it. You're the devil. Watch this. Now a redeemer will come in and he'll face your enemy for you. Watch this. And he'll tell your enemy. You stole it from him, Christian devil. <laughs> For the visitors, they're thinking, Christian devil? No, that's his name, Christian. He's being the devil. Give it all back to him. So take it, you give it all back. All right, now watch. Now you give it back. Now back up. Now you know what's happened? Everything has been redeemed. I don't know about y'all, but that's enough right there for me to shout. I mean, if I get my stuff back, if I get my stuff back, I'm going to run around the building at least one time. If I get my stuff back, I'm going to shout. But that's not the Hebrew word he used. This etymology of Redeemer is avenger. Which means, go take it again. Avenger comes up and says this. Give him his stuff back. Now go get some more stuff. Go find something. Go get it. Go get it, Christian devil. There you go. Now go give that to him too. You give that to him too. And this is what your redeemer is doing. That ain't good enough. Come on. You, you need a, no, you should have never, just find something, there you go, there you go, that'll work, come on, he needs to make some music, so go ahead and give him that too, and Proverbs 6.31 says, when the enemy has been captured, he don't just give two times back, Lord have mercy, but he's got to give seven times back. So the Redeemer says, you go seven times and get stuff and you bring it back to the man you touched.
need somebody to shout, not only does God live, but my Redeemer. I came by to tell Quest Church and everybody watching online, get ready because your Redeemer is about to show up in this nation. The Redeemer is about to show up in your life. The Redeemer is about to show up at your house. The Redeemer lives. Throw your head back and shout it, my Redeemer lives. Come on, say it three more times. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer. One last time. Come on, my Redeemer. Some of you have been praying, God, just give me my stuff back. God's saying, no, baby, I love you too much for that. You put me in an office. You gave me a position and a title. And you called me Redeemer? Then you need to know you're going to give seven times more than the enemy took from you. How many of you know your Redeemer lives? Lift those hands. Sing it, Jamie. by yourself no music Life 
That you don't like being crowded, but if this is your word and you don't mind being in a little bit of a crowd, would you come up here right now and let God confirm this word to you? Jamie's gonna see it again, sing it again, and as she sings, the Holy Ghost gonna touch you right here in this altar. If you don't want to come, you can raise your hands right where you are. But the Lord is about to touch you right now. Come on, lift those hands all over the building. Sing, Jamie. Somebody praying in the Holy Spirit. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, he's fixing it for you right now. He's redeeming for you right now. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Lift those hands. Father, we say with Job today. We say with Job today. There's just some things we don't know. But there's some things we absolutely know. We know you live. 
and you ever live to make intercession for us. We know that all things work together for the good. Hallelujah. So today we call you Redeemer. We call you Redeemer. And we're asking you to avenge us. Be our avenger today. Hallelujah. Lift those hands. I declare Proverbs 631 over you and your house. That everything you've lost is coming back to you sevenfold. Everything you've lost is coming back to you sevenfold. Come on, just enjoy that for a moment. Lift those hands. Breathe that in. Come on, just inhale that redemption right there. It's right before you. Get that revelation. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, God is going to war for you right now. God is going to war against your enemy right now. He's avenging you right now. Hallelujah. Father, thank you that you are our Redeemer. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to act like for 10 seconds that everything you've lost came back, either double portion or sevenfold, but I want you to act like it just showed up right now. Hallelujah. 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 Father God, omnipotent in glory and grace, I adore you. We adore you. We exalt you, Jesus. And today we call you Redeemer. Redeemer. Oh, Tobosan Rekasa. Ando Kobosha. We call you Redeemer. Hallelujah. We're in awe of you. What did Job? feel like when he came to the revelation that God trusted him and God blessed him with two times more what did he feel like when he said I made it and look what God has done can I tell you we're coming out of this pandemic we're coming out of it in Jesus name the greatest revival this nation has ever seen is right in front of us. But you've got to believe your Redeemer is not dead. Your Redeemer lives. Father, I evoke a blessing over these, your people. I speak and decree and declare protection, covering. Hallelujah. And I pray for their faith that their faith would be filled with expectancy, enthusiasm, that they are inspired today.
to believe the Redeemer is coming. All the days of my appointed time, I will wait till my change comes. My Redeemer is about to show up. Things are about to shift. Things are about to change. I'm going to look up and I'm going to lift up my head right here in this craziness because my redemption is near in Jesus' name.